What is happening, everybody? Full disclosure, Mac just got back from his piss break. What's up, Oh, man? you went live on that? Oh, you jackass. <laughs> Damn it. I was trying to see. What, what, did you not do a countdown? Is that what you did? <laughs> Shathid. Asshole. Hey, guys. What's up? Welcome back to the Battle Bros Podcast. I'm Mac, and I have this walnut-sized bladder. How, how's it going? <laughs> asshole. <laughs> so uh, this is what happens when you know each other for you know going on freaking you know 20 years and you just bust balls and rib each other as much as you can so 10-4 uh, yeah <laughs> dick anyway um if you're new to the program welcome if you're coming back to the show welcome we appreciate you coming back to check us out um this is um the battle bros podcast we are live every friday night at 9 p.m eastern standard time um, I am joined by my very good friend over this way, uh, Alamo, and I am Mac. And this is something we have been doing since – when did we start doing this last year? It was like mid-year? I don't remember. I think it was like July. I want to say it was July. Let me adjust my camera. Yeah, just I'm pretty sure it was July. Yeah, so July. So um, we get on here July. and talk about – Okay, I don't speak Carney, so sorry. Um, we get on here every Friday night and we talk about veteran-related issues, and you know, just to kind of you know reach that community out there that you know needs as much help as they can get. Sometimes, and other times, there are you know some strong SOBs, and you know we just want to help to unify the veteran community and show them that you know by sticking together we can accomplish anything, and there is no challenge that we can't overcome. So Damn right, that baby. is basically our story in a nutshell, which is also the same size as my bladder. So something new we started doing this year. Okay. We're going to stop making references to that. So um, no, and more and no more anatomical references. Cause yeah, we don't want to get flagged by YouTube community standards. So anyway, um, something new we started doing this year um, for this season, excuse me, is that we are doing what we call our veteran interview panel, our VIP rat baby. This is installment number two. Last week, we interviewed our uh, first veteran, um, our friend Brent Lee, who is a veteran of the Marine Corps. Um, he told us his story about how he got in, uh, what his, his experience was like in the service, and uh, getting out after that. So we're going to do uh, quite a few of these, and we're going to do another one starting right now. So we're doing our second installment of the veteran interview panel. We have a, another wonderful guest on, a uh, friend of Alamo's. And myself, uh, we've known uh, this gentleman, Greg, for uh, a number of years now. Uh, we have yep. some experience working in the professional sector together. Um, and he's got a great, he's got, <laughs> he's got a great story, and we think it's worth sharing. So what do you say, Alamo, that we, uh, we bring him on here and uh, get the party started? So Let's do it, you, my uh, man. If you would please welcome, Greg is going to come on the show now. Hey, so there he is. What's Howdy up, Dizzles. Good Greg, welcome evening. to the podcast there, my man. So, Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. We appreciate you taking the time on a Friday night. You could probably be doing something else. I know you're a big hockey fan. So right. is, there a game? Yeah. is there a game on tonight? No idea. My wife would know. She's probably curled up with all of the players on the couch right now, looking at their Instagrams collectively. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Nice. In the middle, of like, was it like in the middle of like a uh, eleven game like away streak, like a eleven game stretch where they're all away from? I'm familiar, probably because we haven't gone to any lately, and I so I just you. see her like on the phone, like, "Oh, Vinny's suit tonight." Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
what a team to be involved with, man. I mean, those, that's oh, a great organization. Fun. So it's when, incredible. It's a wonderful organization. And honestly, like that organization, they have uh, all kinds of spotlights. They do give back to veterans as well. Um, we've been to a few games last year. We went to one of the Stanley Cup finals games. Um, actually, they're speaking of vets, they have a um, an Air Force veteran sings the national anthem every year. Yes. I've seen her and nice. she's fantastic. She's actually really good. Tremendous. It's tremendous yeah. of talent. It's so wonderful. Tremendous. Tremendous. It's very Just big. like her. Huge. Oh, Never mind. All right, listen, man. We're five minutes into the podcast here, Alamo. Let's keep this shit on the rails until we get later on. Later on, we can start to get loose and widen the turn. Look, the country is not doing good. Okay. Tremendous. Just tremendous, tremendous waste of time. Okay. Thank you, Mr. President. And you're missing your uh, glorious um, hairpiece. So, anyway, let's get on to it. So. Like we said, we got Greg on. We're going to do our, our second installment of the veterans uh, interview panel. So, uh, what, what do you say, guys? We kick the ground, hit the ground running, and kick this son of a bitch off. So, yeah, buddy. All right. So, Greg, tell us a little bit about um, where you grew up, where you're from originally, all that kind of stuff. We're going to start start chronologically and just kind of sweep all the yeah. way through this. Uh, so, my name is Greg Moradian. Um, born or raised in Brandon, Florida. I, I know that's like you know not a big to do, but it used to be a small town, right? Uh, it still is if you still run in the circles that you graduated with, but uh, it's getting, it's not getting smaller. It's actually like filling up quite fast. Cause like, every, it seems like every corner here, apartment complex, car wash, but you know, that's, that's Florida. Um, so I was basically born and raised here, local kid, um, went to the local schools and, um, yeah, had a very, very good upbringing. Um, mom and dad were super, super supportive, super loving, super encouraging to my brother and I. Uh, couldn't have asked for a better, more stable environment in the home. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hell yeah, man. Um, what? How would you describe yourself when you were young? I mean, oh, were, you kinda, were you outdoorsy, athletic? Absolutely. Yeah, so that's a good question. Uh, outdoorsy, to say the least. So my um, – it, it was kind of back in the, in the golden age where, like, you know, you, your parents kick you out until the streetlights come on. But yes. we didn't have streetlights. We lived on a dead-end street. <laughs> which I will say that, you know, living on a dead-end street kind of uh, stunted my mental growth because I still to this day will get lost in subdivisions. Yeah. Like, Okay. One way okay. in, one way out on my street that I grew up on is about all I'm good for. And now I live like in a loop. So if I do get lost, I could just go around again or the other way. <laughs> no, I mean, as a kid, I was, so I have a younger brother and he was like more certainly outgoing, loved to tell stories. Whereas I was a very old soul. You know, I was hanging out with my dad. We would go fishing. We were in Boy Scouts. They were, um, like my parents were like the cub den leaders. So we were always outside, always camping, fishing, um, and, you know, living that kind of life. And it was a wonderful time to be in Florida too, because, it, um, you could do anything outside, you know, like I said earlier, fishing is a big passion of mine, but 
riding dirt bikes or just playing football or tag with the neighborhood kids. And you bring up a good point too about how there's just so much development now because I mean, yeah. let's face it, you live like not even a mile from my house. Like, yeah, we're, and we're not that far. Pasture, right? Exactly. It used to be, yeah. And like, you know, like if, if you look, think about like over where HCC is off of Falkenberg. Oh, yeah. That whole area back there used to just be like people would go back in there and like you'd park your car and you'd go in there with your girlfriend or boyfriend and make out or, or you'd go in there and ride dirt bikes and stuff like that. You just don't do that anymore, you know? That area like, was still being developed back in yeah. like 09. Like, yeah. What's wild the exponential is that you see it. And yeah. You, you go out there and, you know, it was interesting because in my – and I'm sure we'll jump back to this, but in the transition out of the military, we were looking at this subdivision as like, oh my God, they ripped out this cow pasture. Oh my God, those houses are pretty nice. Oh my God, we really need to go check them out. So it is, you know, it's a double-edged sword. It's so nice. It doesn't even have that cow patty smell. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, a double-edged sword being, especially like a local and a native, while we welcome a certain amount of growth, we dissuade more growth and the urban sprawl, right? Yeah. That, you know, small town feel that we grew up with. Yeah. I mean, I remember a few years ago, everybody was like, dude, we're getting a freaking Bass Pro. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and, it, and it was crazy, you know? And it's like, okay, that's cool. But then you're like, it takes 30 minutes to go from 60 and Interstate 75 to yeah. get out to Valrico, yeah. staying on 60. It like takes a solid 30 minutes on a Friday afternoon. It's like yeah. ridiculous. I it never used to be that long. No. no it used to be like a 10 minute drive. Yeah, we'll be riding around. And it's like Sunday morning and we'll be maybe going to church or something. Um, but it's like no, maybe 10 cars on the road. Like, do you remember when it used to be like this? Like All yes, the time. I yeah. do. I do remember. See, and it's funny now, and, and we'll get back on this interview in just a second, but one last yeah. thing I want to say, it's like when my when my dad was alive, when I was younger, you know, yeah. we used to go, my mom and my dad both grew up in Zephyr Hills up in Pasco County. Okay. So like they would go and we would drive around with my grandparents, well, my grand, my grandfather especially, like we should drive around and just kind of, and he would always, he was kind of like what you call the, one of those um, social observationists. Like he would always just go out and like just watch people and People sure. watch, but not in the creepy connotation it's got nowadays. Right. But um, like just kind of, and you would go and you like look at all the buildings and businesses. Like, oh, remember that used to be this and that used to be that. It was like a little five and dime. And this was, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm getting there myself. I'm like, oh, right. Fuck. You find yourself doing it. Dude, you like, you go over off of um, the road that Bass Pro is on and they got a couple of hotels. Like, yeah. do you remember when freaking Celebration Station used to be here, yeah. man? It's like, holy <laughs> shit. Yep. It's like bumper boats, the go go karts, dude. Yeah. It was really funny. Um, just a real quick one. Ooh, didn't that, celebration, didn't celebration station get taken down in like 2009? I just thought of that. Jesus Christ! Right, 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 by, right by the Circuit City. Oh my god! Yeah, the Circuit yeah. City ends up becoming like that spirit of Halloween store every yeah. Halloween. And stuff. Oh. So I went into a gas station, and I knew that it was this other gas station like the previous week. So I walk in, I was like, and I went up to the cashier. I had like a monster, maybe, you know, whatever. Hey, when did this become a 7-Eleven? And the dude was like, it's always been a 7-Eleven. 
No, it hasn't. No. Like it's been like this, like literally no. three days. You like, no, no, no. I've lived here for two years. I would know. It's like, come on, bro. And, and that's when you hope you got that nice piece of evidence. So why does my receipt from three days ago say Circle K there? Right. There's the racetrack on sixty. Oh, there you go. It's not yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right over there by the GFS. So yep. much right has next changed, okay. man. Well, and I actually know the story behind that. So it's because Racetrack apparently they're kind of consolidating a lot of their stores into these bigger stores. Uh-huh. They just they're building the one right there on Kings and Lumsden. Yep, that big that one that they haven't opened while, yet. Bro. It's that taking a while because they're working on the the sewer stuff or whatever. Anyway, let's get back on track. So yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So freaking uh, go ahead, go ahead, Macho. All right, so cool. The when did you first consider joining? I do not think that there was a time that I knew I wouldn't serve. Um, yeah, right on. I knew, I mean, I've got like every year for Halloween, I was a soldier. Every, nearly every day I was in fatigues growing up and my mom had to wash them over and over and over and over and over again. Like, before I started school, that's all I wore was camis. And especially uh, once they're broken in, they're freaking comfortable. Right? Hell yeah. They're like jammies, man. It's like, it's awesome. Hell yeah. So I, I think that um, I always knew that I was going to serve. It's just I wasn't sure in what capacity until I got a little bit older. Um, and obviously, you know, 9 11 certainly played a big part in solidifying that I wanted to go infantry. Um, but I mean, even, uh, well, my whole life, I would say I knew that I was going to be a soldier or, or at least serve in some capacity. Got it. I gotcha. So you kind of answered the next couple of little bullet points on the, sure. on our little thing here. So did you like, if you wouldn't have gotten infantry, what would you have been, what would have been like a good yeah. second, Tremendous question. Uh, and, and this is the, the funny part, or not even so funny, but um, my father, and you had mentioned your father passed away, so I'm sorry I, I wasn't aware. Um, my father passed away way too early, but he was staunchly against infantry. He knew that I always wanted to serve as well, but because of where he came from um, in the old country, being a... Uh, well, in the Middle East, obviously, it still is today, but it was, he grew up in Syria, war-torn nation, again, still is. But he wanted to always dissuade me against going into the service and pursuing college. And that's honorable, that's noble. He wanted to provide for me so I could go to school and provide for my family more than he could for his. So I understand yeah. that, but I was always very into the notion of serving. So... When he was on his way out, he knew he was sick. He knew he was going. He finally kind of just broke and said, you know what? If you're going to serve, use your brain and, and do something other than infantry. So I started talking to the Navy, took the ASVAB. And when I took the ASVAB, I scored really high. And uh, the Navy was writing up a contract for Navy Newts. So Okay. Yeah, I mean that was so you would have you would have been like a mass media specialist or something along those lines. I think 
well, on a sub, working on, you know, whatever oh. they do on, like, Navy nuclears, nuclear submarines and nuclear power okay. plants. Okay. But the, There's only, like, five or six MOSs that are on a sub, but I got you. Yeah. yeah. So, the, so I took that, and I was thinking about going that route. My dad passed away, and then, um, so, okay, so how long is the, the term of enlistment for being a naval nuclear operator, whatever they are? I don't know. And uh, they're like six years. You know, in and out of college, like a typical, you know, shithead. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I spent, you know, my early or late teens, early 20s in college. And I knew that I had sort of an expiration to when I could serve and could do everything that I wanted to do. Yeah. So... The Navy nuclear option, while it probably would have been a lot more rewarding long-term as far as like career placement, I knew that six years in a fleet was not what I wanted to do. Two years in school, four years in a fleet. So then I started looking around. I was like, when, what is the shortest enlistment? I can <laughs> and they're like, Army infantry, buddy. I'm like, hell yeah, sign me up, Sarge. <laughs> Can you imagine six years of being haze gray and underway? Right. <laughs> and you know what's funny is I spent about six years in the army, and well, and it's it's just it's 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 funny how things work out. So you know, just for a little bit of commentary, it's like I don't know about you, Alamo, but like I know when I took my ASVAB, and I'm not saying this, you know, toot my own horn and stuff. But like, sure. They're like, dude, you scored high enough; you can do anything you want. I'm like, let me try this infantry this infantry thing, and they're all probably just in there going shucker you know <laughs> it's just like dumbass but it's 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 people it's like there's it's one of two trains of thought like you either you go in there to have that experience mm -hmm. or you're just thinking like you're like once you get a real job right like, i think yeah, yeah you're you're i think that you could not have said that better there's the cats that show up to basic and they're like infantry let's go and then there's the dudes that are like what am i doing so to tell to, last week, what the hell am I doing? No, I was gonna say I would say like when I when I actually I I freaking I think I qualified for like at least 90 plus jobs. I, yeah. I don't remember the exact amount, but it was in like the high nineties. And I, I mean honestly, I I just wanted to be a fucking fighter. I, I that's really all I wanted to do. I wanted to freaking go and how would you ass. describe yourself in one word? A sadist? Infantry is the way to go. I like to clean. I like but dude, to I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a, a story, and I just want to see your reaction. You might have heard this listening to the show, but there was this kid. I want to say his name. We called him. His name was like Woody or something. Kind of a, a shorter guy, ginger, red hair, and he was from Arkansas. Okay, now. I'm not making fun. We all called him Chucky because when he got angry, he would look like a little Chucky doll. Like, sure. like all that crazy shit. <sighs> let me, let me take a minute to compose myself. <laughs> this gentleman joined the army infantry mm -hmm. because he thought he was going to join the army and take care of babies. I'm not making that up, folks. Yeah, but you know what? I think along those lines, there's there's the dudes that show up that again, they, they <laughs> the side of the coin, right? They want to be there. Is this one of the guys that went AWOL? 
But then no, the he actually finished. That have no. Maybe they have a place in the military, and I'm not saying that they don't. Maybe not the infantry, right? Maybe the yeah. it wasn't the appropriate place for them, and you know the recruiter met his quota that month. But shame on them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you you pretty much knew that it was either infantry or nothing. Yeah. So, and you know what's interesting is I would have fights, dude, fights with my dad, like, um, my and. This is wild, but like, I would say, hey, I want to go. Like, I know that I want to be infantry. I know I want to go like airborne ranger SF. I, I want to do that, Dad. Like, sign off. Let me let me I go. I want to be high speed. Yeah, high speed. <laughs> but you know what's wild is that um, my dad worked at a body shop, so uneducated but highly skilled. Um, he came from the old country, and he was a an auto body man, right? He just fixed cars. So there was this dude, Frank, uh, and he was, you know, a homeless vet that would come to the shop and he would sweep up and all that he would get is like five bucks. And like my dad would give him some five. Or my dad's actually like he would uh, hire him, bring him to the house, set him up. And we have like a camper from when we were in Cub Scouts. Like a camp, you put him in the camper for a while, do some odd jobs around the house just to get this guy like off the streets for a while, do some That's work. Awesome. That's awesome. But the guy was like SF in Vietnam and just, uh, and, and un, unfortunately in, in his generation, just did, came back from that a whole lot of help. So he yeah, for just sure, went man. off the grid and he wanted to be off the grid. And as long as he had beer and cigarette money, he was cool. So my dad and I would tell my dad, like, look, I want to be SF. I want to be this or that. And he's like, look at Frank. Like that? Yeah. Not, not you, Alamo. Sorry, I'm not trying to point to you, but I'm like. And, like, and you know, it was, it was hard, right? Because on one hand, like, I knew that Frank had done a whole lot for the country and he probably lost his mind doing it or didn't get the help that he needed. Yeah. Um, but it, that's exactly what I wanted to do. So sure. it, was a, it was a hard, hard sell to say the least. But then my dad, yeah, unfortunately passed away. And, and that's when I <laughs> took the opportunity to go because I didn't, the relationship I had with my father was such that I didn't want to let him down. So I was in college while he was alive. I got you. No, I can understand that. Yeah. When you when you when you left for when you left for like basic and whatnot, was was there like anything that you thought of that like you kind of like had like were nervous about or anything like that or whatever? Like, do, can you think of anything that off the top of your head? Sure. So, I think nervous of the unknown, and and, and everybody gets that. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, yeah. I think, gets there, and like it's a, it's a reality shot. Even if you had like friends or family members, because, and I had friends that obviously were in, but it's still a culture shock because now you're you know into this environment and it's a, a wholly different change. Um, <laughs> was I nervous? No, because I was a little bit older. I wasn't like 18, 17, 18 going into basic. I was already in my realistically my mid twenties by the time that I went in. Um, you know, and that's that's a that's a very valid point too, because I know yeah. somebody that went in in their late twenties, almost into their thirties, right? And she joined, and she, you know, from what I've heard from uh, this person's brother, she, she, 
he was like, you know, she's smart, like getting in. Because, I mean, let's face it, we're all, you imagine the majority of those guys going to infantry school and then yeah. on to airborne and then ranger. Mm-hmm. They're all freaking 18 to 21 years old, think they can just take out, go out, grab the world by the nuts and say, I'm going to make you my bitch. And it's like, mm, no. Not so yeah. that, you know, I had already, I was like, obviously the older kid in basic. Um, I certainly wasn't as fast of a runner as the 18 year old kids, but you know, in basic that doesn't necessarily matter. Um, but as far as being nervous about anything, I, I truly wasn't, it was just a little bit of a culture shock that I was able to adapt probably easier than others because of of my age. Okay. Um, no, I think I think I think when it comes to like when you're when you're older, I think you could like take a lot more. Like oh, certainly, you have more life, more life uh, under your belt. You've you've been around. You've seen life. You've had your heart broken. You've seen death. Mm. So there are those uh, experiences that that mold humans, and and I had already had several of those fortifying moments that I knew myself a little bit more than an 18 year old kid would have fortifying moments. I'm going to write that down. We're going to use that fortifying (laughs) moments. That's good shit. No, I like that. The callousing of the mind. There you go. Yeah. Look at you with your SAT fucking words. Good job, man. (laughs) So when did you leave for basic? And when you went to basic, did you have an airborne contract? All right. So I left, uh, I joined the DEP in 2010 and then DEP program left <laughs> and I only joined DEP honestly because like, and I, this is, uh, morose, but my father was again on his way out. Unfortunately, it's like, this is what I want to do, but I can't do it yet. So joined the DEP 2010 and then left in april of 11 and then uh again what is the shortest enlistment regular army infantry three years 14 weeks right (laughs) and then at the end of basic gotta make up that 14 weeks from basic that's bullshit exactly (laughs) uh all the drill sergeants were like hey we've got five airborne five ranger five sf who wants to go where and i was like well fuck it I'll go airborne. That'd be cool. And that's one of those pivotal times when I wish I had a little bit more guidance. And because everybody that goes SF or Ranger, you know, you shoot for the stars. If you don't make it, you land on the moon or shoot for the moon, land, whatever that is. So everybody that gets a SF or Ranger contract goes to airborne, right? So had I had a little bit more guidance, I probably would have just went that way initially and uh, I went and just stood in like the little group of kids that wanted to go airborne and went um, and then I talked to my drill sergeant drill sergeant English who actually Facebook friend um, awesome awesome dude and he's like you know what you're probably just gonna be a five jump chump you're not, you're not going to be in an airborne unit. Just go. It'll be fine. You're just getting it as a lay down on. Brag. Go to Brag. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I, I had uh, orders to go to Carson out of basic. 
And that would have been cool, as, especially like as a – I've heard it's like a sportsman's paradise, fishing, hunting. Colorado, yeah. Hiking. Like, I've I, heard, heard it's tremendous. I, I'm not sure, but I think that's where they filmed uh, the original Red Dawn movie. Was it was filmed at Fort Carson? Colorado. <laughs> think I'm not 100 percent certain. Well, you know everything to you, to the point. Did I have a contract? No, but everything happens for a reason. Yeah, um, sure. My my wife and I were were dating back then, and um, had I gone to Carson, probably wouldn't have worked out. Right. So, Brad wasn't so bad. I hear a lot of I hear I hear a lot of from a lot of different people that brag mixed that bag bad, you know? on the commentary yeah. about oh, bragging. Yeah. So. so I say it wasn't that bad, but it's it was terrible. I've heard yeah. <laughs> I've heard brag is good for your career. Yeah, that's about it. Brag so. is the center of the universe. If you ask anybody in the airborne community, man, exactly. that's true. But we all it was wild is that we all endured it together. You know, like yeah. everybody that oh, was there. Sure. My wife was in the healthcare field, so she had. Tons of really, really okay. made and had tons of really good friends, and a lot of them were spouses. So they all just knew, and they were with it, and they like yeah. such a cohesive bond, even amongst spouses. That like, I remember when I was deployed, she would be taken care of, and then when other spouses were deployed, we would take care of. And you're kind of like you're kind of returning the favor, oh, and oh kind of, yeah, absolutely, it's huge. Whether it be like. Watching the kids, watching the dogs, sure. um, cooking, whatever. Just, just that whole post family comes together and just. Oh yeah, it was, it was yeah. awesome. It was awesome. So, um, when you got to Bragg, yeah, what was your your first unit that you got to? What kind of unit did you end up in? One of the PIRs or the Airborne Regiments or? So good question. Uh, interestingly enough, I when I got to Bragg. Um, in reception, I went to 473 Cav. So okay. it was a part of what's called 4th Brigade Combat Team. So Bragg had four of them back then. And the 4th, if you wanted to bang, 4th was where you wanted to be. 4th and 4th Brigade rules. Um, so I was in 473 Cav as an infantry kid. Um, and I went in and, you know, Maybe somebody's looking out for me. Maybe not. I, I was dealt a pretty cool hand. Um, I went into 473 Cav. And it was a part of their headquarters platoon, like a scout platoon. Um, headquarters boys. Yeah. It was it was wicked cool. We got to see dirt bikes. We got just whatever kind of toy. Did we use a dirt bike? No. But Did we have it available? <laughs> we got it. Uh, for sure. It was cool. I mean, the... the his Majesty uh, wanted to use us like CAG, dude. <laughs> but, Majesty, no, we, I had a, I had a great for the, for the civilians listening at home. His Majesty is par is parlance for Sergeant Major. So yeah, if you, if you hear that reference, that's what we're referring to. So indeed, yeah. So I, I ended up in Four Seven Three Cav. Um, did the train up for the deployment, and it, and it was like you know. If you get to the unit, and you guys know, you get to the unit, and you're like, you don't have a whole lot of expectations because you don't know anybody and you don't know a damn thing. Right. So for me showing up, it's like, okay, guys, what are we doing? 
And they're like, well, you know, start doing push-ups until we deploy in a couple of weeks, retard. So, <laughs> So let me let me let me ask you let me interject and ask you a question. So yeah, of course. I've heard you know as as Alamo and I have both said we've heard this from several different people about you know brag and whatnot. So what was the culture like? I know the unit has a pretty steeped historical culture yeah. with a lot of things. I mean, yeah. and you know, kind of you know, being the new guy, you're gonna get you're gonna be the victim of the quote unquote fuck fuck games when you know coming to a new unit and stuff. But yeah, what was sure. the, was the culture Go like? Get I mean, a box of grid squares. <laughs> right. There, there was a whole lot of that. There was a whole lot of like, hey, take, you better have this pamphlet with you and study it. If you don't know it in three minutes, you're doing push-ups. You're getting scuffed up. Um, but to talk about a unit that is steeped in history, it's the 82nd. And you knew like your unit's history, you had to know your unit's history, all of the Medal of Honor recipients, the notable uh, – wars and battlegrounds that they fought in so to almost in retrospect almost to a fault because it, it we were so steeped in history my opinion while i was there is like why can't we look forward and make a name for ourselves going forward right like why can't we like granted what we did was amazing but that was like 80 years ago but now I see it. It just enforces that much more discipline to have to know that that information and to care about it and be the the torchbearer of that. Now, when we did go down range, part of that history shined where we made a name for ourselves, and the locals started calling us the Circle Square Tribe. So for your audience, <laughs> nice, you know, got hats, right? circle square tribe. So they called <laughs> us square tribe because that's what our patch looked like to them. So when we walked into the village, they knew what time it was uh, because we didn't put up with a whole lot, you know. Um, but it was the it was, oath keepers. And the standard bear, I said the circle square tribe, the standard bearers of fight right. around and find out. So right. <laughs> right. exactly correct. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, getting to the unit, man, it was like we, we trained up for a few months and then rolled out. But I knew very, very in very short order. I was in the fourth brigade and we were going to go bang and it was going to be cool. So how many deployments did you end up doing with 473? one just one okay just one and i wish i had done more but it folded so 473 and fourth brigade ended up folding um and and before the show alamo you were talking about a reflag and so i was yeah. right there with you dude so around that time after my first deployment um and that was again a cavalry unit it was 473 part of fourth brigade combat team uh that unit folded and i went to 1508 which was yeah. cool because I knew some dudes that I went to basic with and uh, they were in 1508 and I got into the same company as a couple of kids that I went to basic with and still friends to this day, still tremendous friends to this day with, with those guys uh, in One Fury. So they, One Fury, 1508, um, really class act group of guys. Uh, yeah. Actually drinking a 1508 
glass. All right. <laughs> nice. Nice. Spring there. Uh, but that's another unit that you show up as a brand new private and you must learn the history of 1508 because they're so esteemed in who they are and uh, how they carried themselves. Yeah. Was it, was it, was there a little bit of a difference since you had already been in the division and you were just coming over from a different unit versus somebody like starting like you, this is your first duty station straight up fresh from the jump of finishing airborne Dude, school. That's, that's an awesome question. And I wish, I wish I could lie to you. <laughs> it was great. It was a smooth transition, but it was not. I mean, I was, I was a new guy in the new place. So I remember my oh, first, you, my, you were, you were new to them. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I already, you know, CIB purple heart. I was like plenty of gunfights. Um, but new to them is right. So I remember like my first week there, there was a DUI. Uh, right. and already, was, I already know where this like, is going. Formation. <laughs> everybody like toe the line, get back here right now. Cause there was a DUI. Right. So that was like, all right, this sucks. But then, like, you know, you stand tall in front of the man, like first sergeant and the CO, like, all you new guys, blah, blah, blah. It was it was crappy because they really um, threw the book at all the new guys. But then I was like, well, but I've got one of these two, like all you guys. I'm not that new, right? Mm. Um, but, then the, but then the next weekend, one of their cats caught a dewey. And it's like, ha-ha. See, it happens to all of us, not just the new guys. So, I mean, yeah. That, that, warp, that kind of like that warped sense of keeping the standards. Yeah. It's like, you bro, not we're going to pound the new guy. Oh, it's us. Oh, never mind. I'm Sergeant Dilly. <laughs> Dude. I mean, yeah, but that, I mean, we all saw it, right? So that's kind yeah. of the, the underbelly of, of what happens, right? So you're you're in this super structured organization and then you go across the world and you see some wonderful and terrible things. You get back and you have a few drinks that can ruin your career. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was a, it was a challenge for everybody and everybody sure. took it out in their own different ways. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So kind of to, tap the brakes and kind of back up a little bit. You sure. did mention Purple Heart. So sure. you've got, you, you were, you had a, you got a Purple Heart when you were with 473 on your deployment. Yeah. So I was yeah. honestly grazed, right? So I was uh, in a gun truck and it was a complex ambush. Got hit with an RPG. So in a gun truck, in a, a Matt V, super armored, super protected, um, like, little bit of scratches here and there and i perfed my eardrums uh got into a pretty decent firefight with the dudes that rpg'd us still got um, that ringing in your ears from time to time huh it's my little it's my best friend that never goes away man uh, mm. but uh we stayed in the aid station for a few days you know low light low noise just to you know be cool and it was uh myself uh, my buddy wild in the passenger seat and Leon in the driver's seat. Both those dudes were like knocked unconscious immediately. And like, I looked down 
and like smoke is filling the cab. These dudes are like slumped over. I'm like, oh boy, this is not good. So I kick them in the heads, wake them up, and then it was go time, right? And so it was wild because in the fog of war, my buddy Wild was a saw gunner. So I was on the 50 up top, started trying to engage dudes that just shot at us. 50 goes down because the turret's broken. So I've got like a musket for lack of better terms. I've got like a single shot 50 cows like clunk, clunk, just trying to rock these dudes and send fire and send hate back the other way. And it did not work at all. So I grabbed Wild's saw, started laying some hate down with that, and then handed back to him. And this was probably the dumbest thing that Wild could have done. But again, fog of war, just woke up to a, a hellacious boom and headache. This dude gets out of the truck with a 249 and just death blossoms the entire truck. Just <laughs> death blossom. Fantastic movie reference, it was, dude. It was so good. It was awesome, and it's like, what the hell is this guy doing? Time out real quick. For the folks that don't know what a Death Blossom is, you're missing out. One, two, go watch a movie called The Last Starfighter. It's an old sci-fi movie from like 80s, 90s. It's the first movie to ever use CGI. That's how I know that. But it was like one of my favorite movies as a kid, Death Blossom. You'll get it. It'll make sense. And continue. But yeah, okay. I mean, after that dark room for a couple of days, uh, dark quiet room in the aid station, and we were just back out again. Um, but again, I was I was super super lucky because um, it could have been so much worse. So, I mean, you guys know, could have been yeah, worse. yeah, oh yeah, 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 way worse. Okay, so. Um, Getting back on track, you said that the you know, the unit you were with four seven three, the whole brigade folded and they fold up flags and stuff, and then you went to one five five oh eight. How many deployment? How many times did you deploy with one five oh eight? So I deployed one more time with those dudes, um, and then after that, I or yeah, shortly after that, I injured my back, uh, and then that was about it for me. So I did two deployments in total. Uh, a little bit better than a year and a half overseas. And, um, and that's when like the jumping took its toll on me because I, I came in again as an older dude. And as also like a bigger dude, um, I injured my back and yeah. it sucks. Right. So I was trying to put up an OCS packet. Uh, so in between okay. deployments, um, I had finished my bachelor's degree and for me, it really meant a lot that I was going to go a little bit further than, or try to go a little bit further than I did. So my uh, little bit of background story, my father-in-law was also in, his father was in, my wife's grandfather was in on her mother's side. So there's a a steep military history on her side as well. And for me, uh, I was in college, but then wanted to, get to the fight before the fight wasn't there anymore. Yeah. So for me, it was a huge deal to try and better myself so I could become an officer. I finished schooling while I was uh, in, de- in between those two deployments. Got, and that was a, also a huge push from my first squad leader, uh, who's a tremendous leader in the organization. And I really looked up to him and I needed him when 
he was around me, uh, or I was around him, I should say. So I wanted to be an officer. So the challenge was uh, sending up an OCS packet, uh, had a bad jump, blew my back out, and that kind of curtailed my career from there. Gotcha. The um, out of curiosity, were your were both your deployments Iraq or Afghanistan? Afghanistan or both? Yeah. Both of Afghanistan, got it. Yeah, okay. so I, I, I know like a lot of guys in our generation um, that definitely joined shortly after high school and then went to Iraq, and that's well, the party that I missed out on. Yeah, I mean, you guys, right? So I, I, I joined I, after high school, but I didn't go to – I went to Afghanistan. He went to the ass crack. Yeah. Dude, Afghanistan, um, beautiful country. Beautiful. I, I wish I would have made it over to Iraq sometimes, and, and some of that kind of – house to house kinetic fight uh, versus like village to village, but it was yeah. you know, still cool, pretty action packed. Yeah. Urban areas was something else, man. It was different. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that was, it was mostly urban in those places, yeah, even in the, even in the shitholes. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing with like Afghanistan. It looked like everything was a shithole, but beautiful country, beautiful parts of the country. And it's still kind of, calls you back right and especially if you've been there you, you meet really yeah. cool dudes and you see like the best and the worst of humankind right yeah it, dude it you know it all back to it it's it's so funny i was having you you hit on a couple of points a, a few minutes ago greg i was we were sitting around the dinner table tonight I, my daughter was here we were having uh you know talk about stuff and you know went all over the place but we ended up talking about um like just people and yeah. it might not, it might not have been tonight, but it might have been the previous night. But she was like, "What was Afghanistan like?" And I'm like, "What part? You need to kind of right. yeah go a little bit more." She's like, "Well, what's what's the country like?" I'm like, "It's the most gorgeous country. Like, it's, seriously, it's just beautiful. Like the just the the scenery there is just like you you would just wake up and where we were we were up in to the west of Mez, oh. and we were just." just to the north of the Alborz mountain range, like you'd wake up and just see the sun coming up over the horizon. And it was just like so many colors in the sky. Yes. Yeah. And like, you know, it, it, I remember seeing something on like, I think it was on the news one time where it was like PBS or something, but like they have this flight once a year. Uh, it's a commercial flight that goes, I think from Japan out to Iwo Jima. So like, it's just filled with all these old school, like Marine vets and like all these old school guys. And I'm just like, wow. wow. And she asked me, she's like, would you go back? I'm like, if it was like maybe 20 years down the road and sure. said certain assholes weren't fucking things up for everybody else over there. And, you know, it was it was as maybe like the same as going to Germany or Italy. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I'd go right. back in a heartbeat. Exactly. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's a huge thing is I would love to. But you got to think like how many and, you know, you get into country and there, you have the brief like. The Soviets back in the day laid out thousands and thousands of mines. So it's like, could you imagine us like in 50 years, like on a walker, like, oh my God, well, this is beautiful. This is a wonderful country. I remember being here and then boom. So if, it, if listen, if anything, just for the food, I mean, the, right? the, the cuisine over there was the footbread yeah. and the lamb. Oh my. Mm. And then you lose 20 pounds in the next couple days. <laughs> the good yeah. old days, right? Hey, can I get the little local fare without All the side of dysentery? That'd be great. Bro, I remember. Okay, so my first squad leader. Um, so I remember we were like rolling down this street and like busy marketplace. And of course, we're like 
conditioning red, like hot, because we're just just in country. And this dude, of course, E6 had a few under his belt. He's like, Dr. Convoy. Oh shit, we're gonna go hot. This is it. We're ready to rock, Sarge. It's about to go down. (laughs) I was like, who's got a dollar? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Gets out of the truck, sees this dude making bread, comes back Uh, like a loaf. Oh, dude, that bread was the shit, man. Right? And it's like, oh my gosh, we were like ready to commit murder. Huh? That's right. No, but so like oh, the when bread we was were... always the best, man. Especially yeah. like if you get like that flat bread, you know that bread that the they they put it in that freaking weird oven. oven thing that they just yeah. went, and they just it pat it to the, the fucking non, side man. of the yeah. thing. Yeah. The non, so dude. there was a couple of times where we had to go, like they were doing elections while we were over there because I was yeah. over there from yeah. July '05 to July '06. No shit. So they really? they had they yeah, did elections they had... in Iraq around the time that I was there too. Yeah. So we wow. had we actually had to do. We were doing presence patrols in the city of Mazari Sharif. And like you'd be out there like early as crap in the morning before most of the locals were up and moving around and stuff. And you would have those little street vendors and you would stop and you would just be sitting there behind the two I'd be behind the two forty. I'm just like, Oh fuck, where is it? Like you could just smell it. And it was just yeah. it was the footbread and it was them cooking the lamb. Oh my yeah. god. I would and you know what? For both of you guys, that, that must have been up, an man. awesome time to be downrange because like you got to think how remarkable, how, it all, how, how remarkable of a time would it have been in any in any country's history to go become a democracy right oh, yeah. so, like that, that's that's huge that you guys were there when it happened and it's you funny know, too because like i think about it this way but um like that like at that at that point in time women you know I'm going to say this in Afghanistan, it was probably far more strict on the women. Sure. Just because I think, I think Iraq, because of the, the rule of Saddam, Iraq was just a little bit more westernized, not right. by much, but just a tad bit more westernized. Sure. But the women there had zero freaking voting rights. No, nothing. Um, yeah, they had zero freaking voting rights. And I was there when we had an election where they were actually voting for their next president, if I remember correctly. And we were pulling security for the whole thing. Yeah. And there were women walking in there with their kids, coming with their voting cards, and then they right into the voters' box. I was like, Yeah, that's is, great. That's pretty that's, fucking that's cool. Time, you know, and I think that those types of experiences you'll you'll carry. We will carry with us for our the rest of our days. And what really people who haven't served, and what's also so beautiful about having an all volunteer military is you decided and took it upon your own self, your own volition to go be there. And and fortunately you saw, you know, suffrage, right? Women's suffrage take place. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, and to come full circle about what I was, the comment I was making, you know, talking about the people I was telling my daughter, I was like, you know, while I was there, they used to have to wear burkas. So like the only thing you would see is this right here. I said, and you know, so we're sitting at a, at, a, at a polling center, and there's women walking around, and they would they remove their headgear, and they would just. Ha- and I, I told my daughter, I'm like, I said, you know, all women are beautiful in their own right. I said, but these women were just beautiful. It was amazing, like yeah. just to, it was beautiful naturally, their natural beauty. 
Yeah. But just also, it was beautiful to see them going, hey, Taliban, guess what? Fuck you, you know, kind of shit. Oh, just like <laughs> pulling that yeah, off, just being so like. They cracked their country. And, and unfortunately, and, and we, I'm sure because I read the brief, we won't get too far into it. <laughs> get too far into the weeds. We can say stuff, but we it's can't get too far. It's all good. It. Right. It's all good. But we got a good vibe going. Man. It's, it's shameful what's happened lately to those folks. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, it was this, it's the same thing like when – when uh, ISIS took over Iraq, for me, mm-hmm. I was I was I was beyond pissed. Oh yeah, um, it's it's uh, it's a kick in the pants. It, it, yeah. it's not it's not right. No. Yeah. So okay, um, you mentioned you hurt your back on a jump. So yep. how soon did it take for you to start the transition process out? I know there's usually that to like to see like a medical staff or whatnot. Yeah. Um, and it was they pretty much you know at that point it was decided hey you're going to be done. Did you end up getting medically retired? So that's a great question. And I'll, and I'll tell you this way. The very short answer to that is I was medically discharged, you know, washed out, couldn't do my job anymore. So it was a rather quick transition. No, yeah. painfully long. Oh, painfully wow. really? Long. So I injured my back, right? Um, and injured my back, went to the aid station after the jump, actually like, a couple of days after the jump, we had a PT test. Uh, and, and, you know, I was very in tune with my body. I knew that, like, if, if the max number of push-ups for my age group was 78, I was in the age – I was in the 82nd Airborne Division. I was an asshole. I would do 82 push-ups and get up walk away. I, <laughs> same thing with sit-ups, right? <sighs> That's swagger. Doing, Love right? it. I would, and I'm, I'm done, right? So I did my push-ups, got up. Cool. Did my sit-ups, something didn't feel quite right. I, I can't do my 82, something's weird. Then started the run and something was very weird. So next day, go to the aid station, doc checks me out. And he's like, well, you know, your back hurts, everybody's back hurts. So eh, here's some 800 megs, walk it off, right? Drink some water, pull security face out. <laughs> uh, but. That right there <laughs> just took a whole, like basically a year to really get the care that I needed. And, and it's unfortunate because, uh, and, and I'm not going to mention any kind of names here, but uh, it led to an investigation where what should have been done initially was, hey, dude's backs hurt. We need some imagery that wasn't followed. So I, if you, if there was an ailment, I had it, whether it was uh, an STD, whether it was a hernia, prostatitis, uh, it was everything but looking at my back. So eventually, and my wife was in the medical field, so eventually it got to the point where I was like trying to make dinner one night, I was cutting vegetables, vividly remember collapsing, fetal position in the kitchen crying because I had herniated discs in my back and I couldn't function anymore. Went to the ER, and then they were like, oh, yeah, your back's pretty jacked up. So I took that information to my PA and said, uh, hey, dude, can we – What the finally, fuck, sir? Over. <laughs> right. Can, I, can we finally uh, get some more imagery? Can we get some MRIs? And they're like, oh, yeah, you're you're pretty messed up. You're See ya. So we can do. Sorry. Bye. So that's the, that was the challenge, and it was really gut-wrenching because, again, I was – desperately trying to become an officer and, and 
circling back, my father-in-law was an officer. My, his father was an officer. All those dudes were officers. So I wanted to become an officer, send up the OCS packet, and you can't be on profile. So on my way out, it was pretty painful physically and mentally that I wasn't going to get to where I wanted to be in the service um, because it blew my back out. Had I had received adequate care and attention, I originally injured myself, probably could have made it out, you know, yeah. uh, with a few bulges and that would be physical therapy and healed, uh, yeah. but just wasn't in the cards for me. See, I, and the reason I ask these questions, not one, one, just because it's on the, the list we gave you for the interview questions, so you'd be adequately <laughs> prepared, but two, um, uh, a good friend of ours, um, that used to work where we all used to work, yeah. uh, went through the same thing. He, um, uh, Ended up going on. So normally, like when you come in on a jump, you know, you kind of try to do this thing. He had no crosswind. His he ended his jump by just going straight down. Yeah, impacted his back. You know, messed him up really bad. And then it took like he almost. So he was, I want to say he was. He had switched over to a teaching position because he was in the twenty five. He was in the twenty five uh, career management field, which is communications. Ended up going over to Gordon in Georgia and um, was in the classroom teaching and stuff. And they tried to get him relieved because of the fact that he was, his back was that messed up. And like he went through seeing the PA several rounds and went through physical therapy and the, and the, the, the Sergeant major, his, his majesty his was majesty. like, what the fuck dude, like, you can't even do this shit. You gotta, right. How are you going to leave soldier? And I, I, it, it's kind of just, you know, and I'm not saying anything bad because I don't know. I wasn't in any of these units with the lineage, with the history, with that kind of culture. But it just seems like there's a little bit of cultural kind of looseness where this kind of thing can potentially happen. Where it's like, oh, it's this unit. Suck it up and drive on. Take some yeah, fucking motor, drink water. There's some. There's a lot of bravado that goes along with that, right? So, like, your yeah. back hurts. Everybody's back hurts. Drive on. And, and a lot of times that's, that is the right answer, but a lot of times there's not. And it's a lot, you know, that causes a lot of really good dudes to get out. Uh, if, they're, yeah. if they're seriously injured and they need help. Uh, so a, a quick story on that. Um, I, I was, again, you know, went to college. So I was pretty book smart, but I had a dude under me that had an absolutely photographic memory. Like, you give him an FM, the next day he'll recite you the FM. That's so awesome. PMs, like, dude was socially stupid, but. <laughs> but if he was that. from Boston, like he would have been wicked schmack. Socially stupid. Wicked, but you know what? That, that makes for a great soldier of the month, right? <laughs> yeah. I, was, I had won a couple of NCO of the month board, NCO of the quarter boards. Um, so I was taking this cat to a soldier of the quarter board. And for your audience, you know, you basically pit your privates against everybody else's privates to see who has the smartest privates. And uh, <laughs> this cat knew everything. Don't read too far into that, folks, by the way. And so <laughs> I remember, like, they said, hey, you know, soldier of the month is going to be in this building at this time. So we went. Early is on time. We were super early, and another His Majesty was walking through the halls of this building. And was like, "Hey, what are y'all doing here?" 
hey, Sergeant Major, Soldier of the Month. I'm taking my private over here. He's like, you're wrong building, Sergeant. What the hell are you doing here? Oh, this is our paper. We're here. We're on time. Like, no shit. We're here. And then he looks at my rack and he sees, you know, the Taliban marksmanship badge. <laughs> and this Joker's got a glass eye, like a glass eye with a Punisher skull. And it's like, how'd you get yours? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> you talk about some fucking nuts, dude. Like, <laughs> How do you know no what you say day it is? Like, no no matter what you soldiers. Damn. There are some salty dudes that have <laughs> seen it and done it 10 times harder. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, that unit's bravado, their history, their lineage is what it is. And there was not a lot of uh, room for mercy for the weak or injured. And, you know, unfortunately, I was injured. So, uh, just had to get out when I did and how I did. So I, you know, with the way that it all kind of came to a close, I mean, it was, you know, it's obviously not what you wanted. You probably, you know, you, you started off doing just the first three years and then you ended up reenlisting for a second through your term. And then now you're talking about, you know, dropping OCS packet. So you were imagining, I imagine you were, you know, kind of planning on staying for a while. This is right. the calling that you had had. And yeah. for that to all kind of come, you know, closing out without you in it, you know, that must have been, you know, kind of a, a hell of a transition going to back to civilian life. What was that like for you? Yeah. Good question. Super difficult. Super difficult. So yeah. to your point, uh, I re-enlisted twice. Once for basically a little bit of reprieve so I could go back to school or just to not be picked on while I finished school as much. Second was for the second deployment. And they were like, hey, look, if you do this one, then we'll send you to OCS. And then, you know, you know, like if you do X, we'll give you Y. So there is the dangling carrot. And uh, when the dangling carrot kind of fell off and fell into the mud, I was super butter. You know, I was all about going to OCS and then it was all about the walls are closing in and I'm going to have to figure something out. So I was married. Uh, and then when it kind of came to a head and we needed to figure it out, uh, we were already deep into building this house. Right. So I knew I was going to get out. My wife went ahead, came back, started living with her folks to look for a house for us. And, uh, we, she started doing all of the process with that. And um, I'll say this, if it wasn't for her, I would not, and in a strong support system, I wouldn't be where I am certainly today. But to the point, um, when we were looking for a house, we, we dealt with a real estate broker, very good friends with him still today, awesome guy. And uh, he said, hey man, what do you, because I had never met him, but I talked on the phone, you know, meet and greet. He had met my wife and, you know, of course you meet with a realtor. What are your wants? What are your needs? What's your appetite for a house? And uh, he's like, hey, you've got a great personality, Greg. What do you think that you want to do when you get out of the service? I don't know, man. You tell me I'm going to be fun employed here in a couple of months. So he said, why don't you become a realtor? You make like six figures your first year out. And that did not happen. 
So I needed to find gainful employment, right? But you get out of this super structured organization, you get out of this super structured way of life. And for me, getting out of that super structured way of life and then becoming an independent realtor was the wrong answer. I went yeah. just out there. Um, and I was dealing with obviously like, you know, PTSD, uh, dealing with some, some stuff from the war, some latent stuff from the war that I needed addressed. Uh, it was affecting our marriage. So I had, I had a time man. I had a really hard time adjusting to, uh, the civilian sector. And, and even though I, again, come in to the military as an adult, I, I still needed quite a bit of help coming out and sure. uh, becoming a well-adjusted member of society. Yeah. Gotcha. So you, you kind of, you know, again, we've, we've kind of covered a lot of the bullet point stuff on here. So how yeah. would you, how would you say, what would you say have been some of the biggest things that you've taken from your military service mm-hmm. and applied to your civilian life or your civilian professional life now? I think tenacity, dude. Um, just, just dry. So like, hey, hell yeah. <laughs> so I think we'll get to that one. Tenacity is huge, right? So like early is on time, on time is late, fucking do the job and, and you'll succeed. Right place, right time, right uniform. So would you, would you kind of say that that applies, you know, just to kind of our generation of veterans, like the GWAT veterans? Would yeah. you say that we're kind of some tenacious, ornery sons of bitches? Yeah, I think I think anybody with a blue cord absolutely is. I think that <laughs> I think that anybody with a blue cord is. Uh, I think that you know, um, the grunt is a, an amazing, an amazing creature, right? You're gonna be, you're gonna give it absolutely everything you've got. So that really parlayed into when I told my real estate broker, "Hey, man, this isn't." For me, like mentally, I need structure and I needed to find gainful employment, not only for myself, for my mortgage. Uh, he totally was cool. He totally understood it. But I excelled and um, I found gainful employment with, with another home builder. And it was just what I needed because I could focus on uh, other people's issues that I was able to help with. And that also, like our, our generation of GWAT vets, like I will say this, as ornery suspicious, as borderline alcoholics and, and just <laughs> pissed off folks, <laughs> we also care, right? So I would generally- Sometimes too much. Right, right genuinely <laughs> empathize with the people that I met and their struggles that they were going with. Yeah. So I could help them and I became better at my job in the home building industry because of it. And I excelled, caught a couple of lucky breaks, got promoted. Um, and, and ever since, and I'm not with that company anymore or, or necessarily that I'm not in the home building industry anymore, but it's parlayed into a, a pretty successful career, just showing up right place, right time, right uniform with the right attitude and, and uh, crushing every day. So I guess if there's a lesson to be learned is that if you work, you'll, you'll be successful. If you're willing to work, if you're willing to put in the the hours and and sweat equity, you'll be fine. 
Spanish, that's where I, that's where I yeah. kind of um, <laughs> tell all my dudes now that are under me is that, you know, we're all in this together. If they need help, I'm there to help them. If, because I'm going to, right? I, I desperately need my guys that are under me to put in a full day's work, sometimes more than a full day's worth of work um, for all of us as an organization to succeed. And I think that I've carried that in from my military service. And I would say also, especially folks that have been in a specified leadership role, especially you being an NCO, yeah. taking all those, you know, it's funny, you know, they teach you all this stuff. It's like, oh, wait, troop leading procedures. I can use this in my surveillance. Yeah, just supervise the work, going through all that stuff. So that's, oh, yeah. it's kind of nice that it carries Crucial. over. Crucial. You know, I was never an NCO by title or rank or whatnot, but I was a team leader. And yeah. I, was, I was a machine gun team leader. So, yeah, a lot of that stuff carried over. So Certainly. I think the ability to lead and the ability or, or just setting a good example that dudes want to follow you is, is crucial. And I think that, I think, right, I think that there's our generation of vets and there's our generation of dudes that didn't raise their right arm. And there's a starch, staunch difference of cats that if you did serve, you get it. And there's a bunch of dudes that are probably willing to follow you. And then there's a diametric shift in dudes that didn't serve. And, and I'm going to say it like I feel like a lot of them are soft <laughs> um, or, or softer than their uh, veteran brother. They don't have such resolve, don't have the resolve that was forged in fire. Re request, the, request permission to plead the fifth on that one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's cats that, you know, we all serve with. They're like, mm. that guy sucks too. Yeah. So kind of, you know, bringing this down to the to the final, you know, couple of topic points, you know, what do you miss most from the service? Camaraderie. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Right. I so, think, uh, I think that's probably close to being like top three answer yeah. for everybody. Probably even top yeah. two. You know, so during your time, especially if you're a grunt, right? So there's 98% of the job is sweeping sunshine off the sidewalks and cutting grass, <laughs> cutting grass with scissors. But two percent of the time that you're in is fucking amazing. It's it's yeah. monumental. You see the best yeah. of humanity. And even you when you're doing back. that, even when you're doing that, ninety eight percent of like you're mopping up the parking lot in yeah. a rainstorm because yeah. his his Majesty has a wild hair up his fourth point of contact. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you're doing it and you're you're in the suck together. And I think that a lot of um, embrace the suck. You don't really, I think that it's selective memory. You don't really remember the shitty stuff. It's always like, I love it. It was awesome. And I think the longer that I'm out now, the more it's like, that wasn't so bad. But, you know, the day-to-day -day grind when you're in it is like, I would never do this. I'm going to suck start a shotgun. Like, I hate my life. <laughs> uh, uh, but, yeah, after you get out, the longer you get out, it's like, it was all sunshine and rainbows, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and see, and it, for me, it was kind of a little bit different too, because, you know, I, you know, was very, very late to the, I'm going somewhere with this. So everybody, before you start hating on me, if those watching at home, um, I was very late to the social media game. So right. yeah. I didn't get on. Incredibly, my man. Welcome. Yeah. So um, I think I got on Facebook in like May, 
April and May of 2017 when uh, I started working for a different job. And what was wonderful about it was like reconnecting with all of these people and especially guys that like I went to basic training with, you know, that stayed right. in and like, I got a buddy of mine. He's a, he's a, he's a staff sergeant now. Another couple of guys are like sevens and eights. And I got, you know, my old squad leader when I was in, he's now yeah. like the state sergeant major for operations for the recruiting for yeah. national guard recruiting here in the state. So it's like, and when you have that reconnection, you know, and, and camaraderie is such a wonderful thing. You get that, you find you reach out to people like you haven't talked to in years and it's like you never missed a beat it's just yep. like it's right back yep. there and it's just like dude what we have in that conversation 15 years ago like okay yeah silver surfer from the movies is not as cool as silver Surfer from the comic books shut right. your fucking face blah you and know what was the name of that guy from captain planet the one that shot even, the heart ring was it mowgli or <laughs> even around dudes that were like you know you obviously you just run into a, a random vet at a bar and you're like, let me buy you a beer and hear your story, man. Because yeah, it's, it's yeah. a brotherhood regardless. And, and of course there's like, and, and I will say this, there's a hierarchy and at the top is infantry. <laughs> well, <laughs> infantry, but, but everybody, also, else, everybody else served it. Everybody else raised the right arm and they're all pretty cool. Yeah. I, and I would go a little bit further to, 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 to kind of qualify the statement, not just infantry, but infantry slash, older vets than yourself like anybody in world war ii yeah. is badass anybody that was in korea is bad anybody in vietnam is like i just want to hug them like yeah. dude you yeah know? because they they, yeah. Went, they went through so much and i think that there are so many more organizations out there now and there's so much more um light shed on the the challenges that these dudes face right yeah. and, and and the ability to now like we're connecting here online right like the ability yeah. to talk about shit and you know what's crazy about the Vietnam vets, too, is uh, they were still, even though it was a heavily drafted war, the vast majority, like I think they, I think the statistic is like anywhere between 60-ish to 65% were still volunteer. That's awesome. You know what I'm saying? It was still a very heavily volunteer army, even during the time of Vietnam. That's yeah. awesome. Even with the draft. Um, and these guys, you know, thinking that they were doing the right thing, they still got absolutely shit on when they came home. And I, it's, it's just, it sucks to read the stories, man. Oh yeah. It really sure. does. And to reiterate a story that I've told before on here and, you know, from the place that, you know, we all used to work at when we first opened, we had, there was an older guy that came in and I noticed he had like one of those old school leather like had a little leather strap on. It was a phone case he had on his belt. And he had the old school Rising Eagle warrant officer insignia oh, cool. on, on the freaking phone case. I'm like, hey, chief, what's going on? He goes, how did you know that? I'm like, the eagle on your phone case? He goes, oh, good eye. And like, we just struck up a conversation <laughs> and just shooting the shit. And he's like, you know, I told him I was an Afghanistan veteran. He obviously was in Vietnam. He's like, we're going to make sure that you guys don't go through the fucking bullshit that we went through. Oh, because, and like so, like that's why I say like Vietnam vets like are just have a very very special. You know, I have a special kindredship with those guys. It's oh like, yeah, they are yeah. the torchbearers, man. You know, like they those cats. I'm just reaching over. Don't mind me. Uh, <laughs> those dudes were torchbearers, and, and they really really blazed a path that made our lives significantly easier than than what they had. Right? Yeah. But that's, I mean, I guess like I'm not a parent, 
kudos to you guys. Um, I've got a dog and a cat, right? But like, you want to give your kids uh, every opportunity, every better chance than, than you had. Absolutely. Oh, damn right. And it's in a, in a way like, you know, the Vietnam vets and all the older vets and us are kind of like our military dads because they're making sure that you had all that stuff. But I just love those stories. You know, like, you know, I had a, another uh, guy that I served with. Um, he was telling me a story about something called All American Day. And you oh, have like all these old timers come in and he was sitting there and he's, he's serving lunch to this gentleman. And he's like, and he's got some like regalia on some patches yeah. and whatnot. And he's like, and the guy talks like he's still in 1940s. For, according to the story, he's like, how many jumps you got there? Paratrooper. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and he's like 62, sir. And he goes, I've only got five, but mine all meant something. So he did like all five of the combat jumps. It's like, yeah. Ooh. So the old guy doesn't wear underwear because his fucking brass balls don't fit. All right. Yep. Dude, he needs a wheelbarrow. Uh, so <laughs> there's a thing called All-American Week in the division, right? And every year it's like, uh, like a ranger rendezvous, but it's like the week that you celebrate the 82nd and these cats go up and they travel right so they travel they get there and it's actually ironically i want it i want to go back because it's right around memorial day it's right around my birthday weekend as well um so during the week while you're in it's trash you're cleaning up you're doing clean sweep every fucking day you're like pt belt pc ipro weed whacking like full kit weed whacking, <laughs> getting ready for All American Week, and then the week of <laughs> like parades and ceremonies and change of command and like just this asinine thing. That after is like, I want to go to that. I want to bring a cooler beer and sit on the parade field. And watch <laughs> these idiots like fucking get a stroke and. With their braids half cocked, so like they get a sunburn on one half of the. Face. Oh yeah, I had that sunburn a couple of times. <laughs> where it's, it's just like this part of my face oh, is yeah, all pale, dude. but I have. Like I a never nice, thought about that. But wow. I have a nice tan here, and I'm just like, oh dude, oh, hmm. that must have been an active duty Jeez. thing. Like, I mean, I wore my beret like <laughs> I don't like. I don't, oh man, I don't in know. the 82nd, there's a whole nother level of being an asshole with a beret because there's like the appropriate way to wear it with the insignia over the. Left eye. Left eye. Mm-hmm. And then there's an 82nd way where that thing is like <laughs> way over. But it was interesting, like, you know, in the ceremonies, you don bayonets and like dudes would fall out, right? They've got a pointy object on the end of that musket. If they're falling, <laughs> that thing's going somewhere. You see everybody else is kind of holding it. It's like... It's just like, oh, oh, I got to put the bend in my knees. I got to put the bend in my nose. Oh, okay. oh, like, All-American Week is, is serious business. That would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, I want to go. So if, if you all want to make a road trip, yeah. maybe. That would be cool because you could go out there and also check out the museum. I'm a big nerd oh, about yeah. museums and stuff. Yeah. Like the Airborne and Special Ops Museum, I hear is pretty yeah. cool. It's cool. It is cool. And actually, um, while oh, I was there, they were redoing it. And, oh really? Uh, I've got yeah. They were redoing it, and while I was there, and there, there's a couple of my friends have bricks there, so it, it's cool. Awesome. So I kind of already think I know the answer to would you do it again? 
would you do all this all over again? And the answer is probably, duh. Yeah. It's a really but, good yes. If uh, would I do it, would I do it exactly the same? Absolutely what, not. What would you change? If I could have a, a deep rooted conversation with my younger self a few weeks before joining, um, I'd probably number one, get myself into visit, better physical condition before joining. Uh, number two, have a clear, path as to points that I needed to make and when in my career um, and such as, you know, making it a point to finish college sooner mm-hmm. so I can go to OCS sooner. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe instead of standing in the pile of dudes to go to airborne, I would have stood in a pile to go to Ranger or SF um, or hell. I mean, you could like be a cook and, and go 18 X after a while. But I, I think that, if I could do anything over again, it would have been my present self have a deep conversation with my previous self and my younger self before going in and, and just imparting a little bit more uh, knowledge. Would I would I go back to infantry? Absolutely. I, I don't think that there's a better outfit or organization or, or cast of man than the infantry soldier. Yeah, I agree with that. Hell it's yeah. A, it's a special breed. So to round this out and to kind of finish up. So last question I have for you, Greg, is yeah. what kind of you, you've already had some really good nuggets of wisdom and, and advice and stuff. But what kind of um, what kind of intel would you give to future service members like, hey, you know, what what would you tell them to be on the lookout for this or prepare for this? You know, what would you pass along as your. Like, hey, get off my lawn, but first, listen to this first. Yeah. Advices. Um, I think that uh, train your body as much as train your mind. Train your mind more than your body. I think that ultimately uh, the key to success would be to have a clear path of where you want to go. Have yourself a flat path. Have yourself a trajectory. If you want to be an officer – here are the steps, lay them out and do it. Uh, I think that too many dudes wing it and some of them end up where they need to be. Some of the dudes end up where they want to be. And, and some and guys they, end up faking the funk on a nasty dunk. And, and too many dudes yep. fall short, or dudes or chicks, whatever. Like, I think that ultimately find a mentor, have a, have a conversation with that individual, uh, keep your nose clean because one – you know, one bad night out isn't worth a career. Yeah. I think that would be it, man, is, is getting tremendous physical condition, getting better mental condition because you're going to see some shit and uh, talk to somebody that's done it so you can do it better. Yeah. Those are good ones. I, sure. I think that's like really good advice. <laughs> Hell yeah. I feel bad for not writing that down like right now. <laughs> I was too busy reaching for the last part of the interview. Right here. So I don't know if I don't know if this is gonna become a thing on this show, folks, because you know there are some people that you know choose the sober lifestyle or don't drink anymore, don't Correct. indulge. Yes. But we were shooting the shit the other night. Oh, one last thing I wanted to say. So yeah. you were talking about, you know, you made a comment just now about, you know, infantry guys and grunts being like that cast of you know, just that great cast of, you know, how to cast a great man. 
So we were also, before the show, we were sitting here shooting the breeze, shooting the shit for a minute, and we were talking about uh, the movie Starship Troopers in the book. Um, Ranger Up, the, the, the brand Ranger Up, used to sell a shirt that had, um, on the front it had the cross rifles, but on the back of it, it had a passage from the book Starship Troopers talking about, they're the ones that go in on H hour, bloody, tired, muddy, disgusting, and they get the shit done. And I, and I know I'm just- Would you like to know more? Would you like to know more? You know, I, I only hope that your audience is oh. as big of a nerd as we are, because that's, again, a-, a Go watch a movie. It's a- yeah. Oh, so, so cinematic so, excellence. So go watch that. And then I was telling Alamo earlier this week, um, um, I watched an ep- uh, a, a broadcast of the uh, Black Rifle Coffee podcast. Yeah. And yeah. they interviewed the guy. <laughs> so a few years ago was that uh, hostage situation and terrorist attack at that hotel in Kenya. And that British SAS the went British in there SAS and was gay, fucking yeah. pipe hitting back. Did you hear they hired him? It his job. Like it was the, you know, his job or something. He, like he was on training. He was on training and he was just at the, at the like he was at the, at the shop getting some groceries, went out to his car, threw on his kit, threw on a little freaking monkey, you know, a uh, little yeah, ninja hood and stuff. And went, yeah, the, the, the balaclava and just went in there and just smoke checks some assholes. And they were talking to him about it. And he was, they kind of got off on the end of the interview talking about some crazy stuff, but they were like, He's like, do you know the movie Demolition Man? He's like, yeah. He, he goes, go watch that now with what's going on in the world. And I thought about it. I was like, whoa, right. shit. <laughs> Holy crap. I was like, man, that's so different now. All right, guys, let's have a shot. Let's fuck. All right, go. boys. So, Greg, thank you again for being on. So, what's everybody drinking tonight? I want to know that. Uh, Greg, what, what are you drinking? <laughs> what's with that little barrel? What the fuck is that? It's our moldiest oh, small drinker. Don't make, don't make fun of my no. drink there, Buckle. Listen, Patty's Ace coming up. I I'm got a little bit of knob uh, go-to for whiskey, but as we were talking about earlier, some dudes drink whiskey because they like it. I drink it because it's here. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to slowly transition over to bourbon. Because I think I like bourbons a little bit more than whiskeys. I mean, I, I like to try I like James. You know that that you know that is more than I do. Like there's whiskey, bourbon, rye, scotch, all that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Like it's all the same. I got friends of mine <laughs> that have done the World of Beer tour. That's like 500 beers. They've done the World of Beer tour like a couple of times, and I'm like, I don't like. I don't. I'm not a beer drinker. I don't care. Really? Like I told you guys, if I order a drink and I'm hanging around guys like this, I'm like, I tell the waiter, the waitress, I'm like. Take the freaking umbrella out of that shit before you bring it over, or I'll hey, never hear the end of it with these clouds. She's like, shame. exactly. So <laughs> nice umbrella in the drink. Yeah. Lemo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so man. I've got I got a bottle of imported Cuban rum that a, a, a friend of mine gave me. Like it's even got the damn tax stamp on the stuff. Like it is That's legit awesome. imported screwball. So. so. Greg, uh, I'm gonna let you make the toast, man. You you tell us what yeah. make the toast and uh, oh, well, thank for the honor, um, gentlemen. I just really, 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 truly wanted to say thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing. Absolutely. The message out there that uh, it, it's a it's a hard job what you guys are doing. Uh, you're putting out there the message that it is a hard transition, and guys are making it, and we can all do it better if we do it together. So Damn thank you right. so much, man. Appreciate it. Cheers, boys.
Woohoo! That's a birdie. Yummy. Yeah, baby. All right. <clears throat> I'm probably going to get stupid real quick. So, <laughs> Alamo, let's. <laughs> yeah. Let's wrap this show up. So, Greg, thanks again, man. We appreciate you, brother. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And, um, you guys are doing tremendous work. Keep it up. Good up. Good up, Mako. I'm good. I'm good. Cynthia, I didn't say hi earlier, by the way. Hello, sweetheart. Love, love to see you again on the show. So thank you for ending the comments. But Greg, again, man, thank you. Have a good night, man. We're gonna we'll catch up with you in a minute and uh we're gonna wrap this up and yes, know, indeed. finish it up. So this is already late. It's like 10 30. This is a good one. So this is a good one, yeah. Yeah, man. A lot of good stuff. So Greg, again, appreciate it, brother. Our boys. And uh we'll we'll be reaching right, out to you in a minute. <clears throat> so as we do with every show, we're going to kind of give you a little bit of background, talk about what we do. So as as we mentioned earlier, you know, we do this podcast. It's a labor of love for us. Damn um, right. We do this because we found out that um, a friend of ours, and since then we found out that others have unfortunately um, chose to make a temporary, to solve a temporary problem with a permanent solution. And that's not what we want people to do. Okay. Just in the course of the first season and the first couple episodes of this season. Yeah. It's uh, it's about man. it's about this right here. Good night, Cynthia. We love you. Thank you for watching again. Um, but um, twenty two a day is is a lot, and it it, yeah. it sucks a lot worse when it's people that you know. So our mission is to help the veteran community. We want to stop suicide, but we want to help the veteran community as well as do that. So um, in the process of you know coming up with the show, we were like, what can we pass on to people to help keep them going when things are getting a little bit rough so we came up with the bros code it's a little mantra that we kind of remind ourselves of every time we're on the show and we're going to share it every time damn right and it, you know the reason why you heard us kind of you saw us giggling or, or whatnot is when greg said be tenacious tenacity. it's like oh tenacity it's like <laughs> yeah. hmm, good plug so yeah be so the, the you know remembering the the, the word bros b-r-o-s the first one b is be tenacious and like greg said you know being tenacious, showing up on time, being in the right place, right time, and just, you know, good attitude. That's a great way to be tenacious. There's other ways to do it too. And that's just not giving up, not quitting, um, doing everything you can to the fullest of your ability and then trying to surpass that if you can. Damn right. And that's, that's very, very important. Um, <clears throat> that rum is hitting me so good right now. I got a nice little burn going on. It's like, Oh shit. Um, R refuse to surrender. Okay. When things happen, um, as we've heard several times with Greg's story, you know, there's things that kind of happened here, happened there. He didn't give up. He kept going and he kept trying to, you know, improve himself and, and better himself in a situation, you know, so trying to get out there and, you know, be a upstanding citizen, even though he got out of the service before he wanted to. And, you know, that's important, you know, that's right, baby. When things, sometimes you got to shift your weight, you got to move your feet a little bit. You got to, you know, kind of alter the course of, you know, the path that you're on and that's fine. Things can happen. Don't be afraid to do that. Okay. Uh, Oh, obliterate your obstacles. Sometimes there's things in your way. Sometimes you need to skirt around them. Sometimes you need to go over them. You need to dig under them. Sometimes you need some Bangalore's and some C4 and just blow that shit to smithereens. That's okay. You know, as long as you can stay on the path to hitting the OBJ, hitting that X, hitting that objective, that's what the goal is. And that can be applied to anything. It can be applied to your personal life, your professional life, finishing school, um, relationships. I mean, that it's, it's kind of universal. So, you know, apply when needed, when necessary. So 
the most important fa- um, part of our mantra is S, and that's seek out a friend in a time of need. Um, you know, we we started off the show last week. We were talking about uh, Alamo's good friend Ward, who we discussed in an episode last season um, during the holiday episode, which was episode twenty one. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, you know, it, it's funny, you know, hearing stories like this and. We're talking to Greg and, and Brent last week, you kind of you kind of get vested in these stories, and especially like with Alamo, you know, hearing the stories that he said about the guys he served, with, you kind of get to know them a little bit in the stories of others, and that's important, you know, especially when things like this happen, their memory lives on. You know, I was telling my daughter, um, you know, she was kind of sad because she was missing some family members, and I was like, I said, sweetie, they may be, they may have died, they may have been gone, but as long as you keep them alive right here, they're never going to die. And that's, that's important. You know, as long as you keep the memories alive and think happy thoughts and that's very, very crucial to the things going on in our lives. So, you know, when you kind of get stuck in a rut, you get to have those, get to having those, you know, those thoughts of, you know, not good things and whatnot, you need to reach out, reach out to us, reach out to um, your friends, people that you served with. You know, I know if I ever have a problem, I can call this guy right here. We can talk on the phone. We can figure it out. And we've done that. There's been several times that we've called each other in the middle of the night and just been like, hey, man, let's talk. And we've stayed up and, and kind of shot the shit, shot the breeze. And it's like, okay, yep. we're good. I'll talk to you later, man. I love Stretching you. Stretching out to like the wee hours too. So it happens. It's so late. <laughs> it's early. It's like, yeah. oh, dark early in the morning. But <laughs> that being said, there's resources available. If you've got, you know, if you're still in contact with people you serve with, reach out to them, talk to them, family members, whatever the case may be. In the event that those are not viable options, there's always um, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Okay, you can call us at 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's uh, 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. And, you know, they will have somebody there to help you and um, discuss what needs to be talked about, kind of talk you through things and help you out as best they can. And that is a resource that is always available. So please do not hesitate to use that. Okay. So I'm going to quickly turn it over to my co-host and cohort here. He's going to plug all the technical stuff because that's his his end piece. So, yeah. So um, as always, guys, if you like what you see here, if you like the content that we're bringing you and you want more of it, Make sure you like, share, subscribe to ev- to everything Battle Bros. Oh, I had a little bit of a burp there. Um, everything to everything Battle Bros. To make sure that number one, you get the YouTube algorithm recognizing us and spreading our word out there. And make sure you write a comment down in the comment section below and like that video that you see right there on the YubTub. Because there's only one way we'll get recognized, and you gotta let the algorithm know you like what you see. Um, also, if you want to catch us on the audio platforms, um, you can catch us on Spotify. You can catch us on Anchor. You can catch us on Google uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as, uh, I believe, Radio Public, Overcast, and... Pretty much any permutation pretty of much, the yeah. word cast. I'm going to get all of those by right. heart, damn it, at some point. Um, also... If you want to catch us on the social medias, you can catch us at Facebook on facebook.com forward slash battle bros dot podcast. Hey, Alamo, also catch- quick yes, question. Do we have one of those? Um, what do you call this thing with the Facebook thing is on? What is that called? 
little uh the label whatever the hell freaking i i don't know i know i just i just totally defunct your you derailed <laughs> defunct. you're just like you just, you, your brain just went and halt it's just like can you can you make one up real quick for our gmail Oh, yeah, that's a very good point. Oh, speaking of emails, um, you guys, by the way, also via the Facebook, guess what? Battle Bros, we also have a WhatsApp. Yes, you can contact us via WhatsApp through the Facebook app as well. Um, and if you want to catch us on the Insta, you can catch us at Battle Bros underscore podcast. So look for us anywhere you find on the social medias and any it's not going to take much you'll platforms. find us it's not going to take much you'll find us so um we'll have one of those um we'll have one of those little tail caps at the end for our email if you want to reach out to us um we'll start broadcasting that next week yes please we feel will. free to reach out to us you know if you have any commentary and feedback you know we're at the point now where we'd love to hear back from everybody Damn um, skippy. We, we do have the the uh the private chat going on with the show <clears throat> You know, please feel free to engage in that. You know, we want to hear cuss, uh, questions and comments from. We do viewers. like hearing cusses. We yeah. like hearing cusses too. I like how your sister was on here calling you a little shit because the way I you know it's amazing. Show, it's like, <laughs> but um, you know, we're we're gonna we'll have the, we'll post a Gmail next episode. We have a Gmail account now that's for the show. Yes, we will. So we will get a hold of us. So um, yeah. So um, we don't exactly know what's going on next week yet. We're going to play a little bit closer by the seat of our pants and close to the vest this season. So we're just going to sign off for now. So yeah, again, this but have been no the- worries, everybody. We are doing research always. And so we will be we, bringing you some good content. You know, we got primary alternate contingency and emergency plans. We have a pace plan. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um, thank you again for watching uh, special thanks and shout out to Greg for joining us on the show. It was a great interview. Absolutely. Um, I'm I'm so glad we came up with this idea. This is fantastic. I'm really enjoying this. Um, yeah. We will still also intermingle some topic-based shows in there as well. But until, until the next time, um, this has been episode 026, VIP installment number two of the veteran interview panel um, with Greg. And um, this has been the Battle Bros podcast with Mac and Alamo. We want to say thank you for joining us. Thanks for watching. We love all of you guys. We want to see you back next week. And until then, we hope you all stay safe. Uh, Be careful out there. And uh, love your friends. Love others. Battle Bros. Out. Catch y'all later.